greet you in the name of Jesus. Almost, almost can smell a campfire smoke in the area. Friday, um, we had gotten my father-in-law's camper and my father's truck, and we had it at our place. We loaded it up and headed north, got to the site and set up our, our camper, and I probably set up the camper twice before, so this is my third time, so still feel like, feel like I'm figuring things out. Went around, put the jacks down, and I was walking around the camper looking for a level built on the side to make sure my camper's level could not find one. In the meantime, as I'm walking around, I could, I could sense the, the nearby campers, nobody here from Myerstown, just standing in there, or sitting in their, in their camp chairs watching. Felt a little intimidated. And then I proceeded to bring out the awning in front of the camper and was not going well. So I actually pulled up a video to, to figure out how to adjust the thing and was struggling quite a bit. And what'd you know? A neighboring campsiter named Ryan came over and he brought his awning and not Ryan Stauffer. This was another Ryan, a new guy I got to meet. And he got his awning rod and he said, hey, here's how you do it. And he proceeded to very, uh, in a very friendly way, help me put out the awning. Man, thank you, Ryan. So we chatted a little bit. Finishing up, another guy comes up. Hey, I saw you walking around looking for a level. I got a level if you need. He brought a level, and he helped me level my camper out. So here I am, excited for the camping weekend, and I had to rely on some fellow campers to set up my site. But it was a neat experience. And this morning, as I was sitting around the the campfire, going over my sermon notes, Ryan came up to me, and we chatted more, and here he was getting up to head off to lead worship at his church. And as I, as and then throughout the weekend in the fellowship that we had with brothers and sisters, and then now coming to church and fellowshipping with the body of believers, wow, community, the brotherhood is needed. And I praise God for that this morning. Demetrius, you led two songs that pointed to heaven. And that is one of the things we're going to look at this morning in the message. The last song you led there, 968, Oh, They Tell Me of a Home. And it speaks of looking forward to anticipation for heaven. And my prayer is that that is characteristic of our life as we make decisions, as we live. Looking forward to heaven. Take out your songs of faith and praise, please, and turn to number 111. The title of the message this morning is Grow in Grace and Knowledge. So I picked a song about grace that I would like us to sing. Let's sing verses 1 and 3 of number 111. Marvelous grace of our loving Lord, grace that exceeds our sin and our guilt, yonder on Calvary's mount Great. 
grace that is greater than all our sin. So a question this morning, are you growing? Anybody remember our theme from 2 Peter? Three words. Maybe you know the one. Grow in um, or amidst temptation. Growth amidst temptation. The word is grow. Are you growing? Remember my two quotes that I keep referring to. The antidote to anything false is growth. The medicine to anything false is growth. Apostasy comes on the plateau. Apostasy comes on the plateau. And as we were going through 2 Peter, we looked at growing diligence. Then we looked at growing in the word. That was in both in chapter 1. And then in chapter 2, we looked growing virtue and looking at the danger of false teachers and what characterizes false teachers. And now we are going to chapter 3. And the plan is to go through chapter 3 and wrap up 2 Peter and take a summary and look back over what we looked at in 1st and 2nd Peter. And remember, in context, think about Peter's uh, characteristics or what we know of Peter as, he's, as we go through this chapter. He was energetic. He was bold for Christ. But remember, he forgot the promise he, he told Jesus. He said, I'm not going to deny you. And we know later he did. He forgot. Another theme as we're going through 2 Peter is that of remembering. We need reminders. So this morning, I want us to remember the ends of the world so we grow spiritually. And therefore, the, the title this morning is Grow in Grace and Knowledge. If you would with me, turn to 2 Peter chapter 3, if you have not already. 2 Peter chapter 3, and I'm going to read through the chapter. Now, Peter in here calls the church a word, or he says, beloved. And I think it's four times. So as we read, keep, out, keep watch for the word beloved. And that is going to alert us to the four points that we're going to look at this morning. So what does he say around the words beloved? Think about that as we read. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 1. The second epistle... Beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, that ye may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets, and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last day scoffers, walking after their own lust, and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was, being overflowed with water, perished. But the heavens and the earth, which, were, which are now, by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment, and perdition of ungodly men. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, 
that one day is with the Lord is a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises, as some men count, men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be that to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of the Lord, wherein the heavens, being on fire, shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for heavens, for new heavens, and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, See that you look for such things. Be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. And account that the long suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you. As also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, which are some things hard to understand, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, as they do also the other scriptures, unto their own destruction. Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, beware, lest ye also being led away with the error of the wicked fall from your own steadfastness, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. So did you catch the words beloved? And as I read the word beloved, I hear a heart of care. I hear a heart of concern. I hear a heart of desiring them to blossom. And that is Peter's heart to the church as he's writing here. He's calling them, beloved, I love you. I have a vision for what I want you to become. It's with care that he brings this last, I don't know if he wrote in paragraphs, but this last part of the letter that he wrote here in 2 Peter. We're going to see four things around the words beloved. Beloved, be mindful. We see in verse 2. Beloved, be not ignorant. We see in verse 8. Beloved, be diligent. And beloved, beware. In verse 17. So, let's break down these verses and see what Peter is talk, telling us. So in, in 2 Peter 3, verse 1, the second epistle I write to you. So this is the second one. Remember, we went through 1 Peter. Now he's in 2 Peter. He's wrapping it up. He says, I wrote this unto you. Why? To remind you. Remember, we need reminders. So again, this is things they knew, but Peter needed to again and again remind them. We need to be remind, reminded. That ye may be mindful of what? Of the words which were spoken before. We forget. 
And the church here was forgetting of the Old Testament, or the, the Old Testament, the old scriptures that were written. They were forgetting them. And as the new epistles were being written, Peter is saying here, don't forget the old. The old and the new go together. Brothers and sisters, be mindful. In other words, be thinking about. Be thinking about the word. We need the word. We forget easily. Back up to verse 1. He says, what does he want to stir? He wants to stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. A question I pose this morning, is your mind pure? What did you view or think about this past week? Is it pure? Peter here was just assuming or was maybe having faith that this church was keeping their minds pure. We cannot expect to view and think things that we know are impure and then expect to the Spirit to speak to us or the, Holy, the, the Bible to reveal things to us. That's not going to happen. Our minds need to be in a pure state. So this past week, was your mind pure? Are you in a state to be mindful? Peter's reminding them of that. We forget easily. And then he goes on to say, I want you to be mindful of the scriptures, not just the new letters, but the old as well. Be mindful of the old and the new. Because you need to know this, because in the last days there's going to be scoffers. How would you define a scoffer? A person who mocks. Did you ever get mocked? Eh, maybe. Got laughed at. A scoffer is somebody who does, does away with truth. Now, that can be true. They don't believe. They make light of truth. They make light of things. In the last days, there's going to be scoffers who come along. who They're described by walking after their own lust. Beware of the people who always just do the things they want to do. Who do things of the flesh. That is characteristic of scoffers. Making light of. Because these scoffers are going to come and they're going to say, the world has been gone for this long and Jesus still didn't come back. Are you sure he is? I mean, things just continue on. They're going to make light of, they're going to scoff at the Lord's return. We sang two songs about heaven this morning. I trust that is not us. Forgetting about scoffing the Lord's return. Because what's the promise in verse 4? Where's the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell, fell asleep and all things continue as they were, things continue on. But these people are ignorant of the things that happened. The God who created the world. The God who brought the flood. The earth was standing out of water and in water. The whole world perished. In one word, at the press of a button, the power of God can send his son back. The scoffers will make light of that. So as we look back and see God at work in the past, he will continue to work into the future. Don't scoff at it. That is characteristic of scoffers. So, brothers and sisters, be mindful, he says in verses 1 to 7. Because, in verse 7, the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, in one moment, fire's going to come. And take away the ungodly men of perdition in that day of judgment. So brothers and sisters, be mindful. 
Secondly, we see, be not ignorant. Verse 8, but beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing. What's this one thing? God is in a different time zone than us. We as humans try to put God in a box sometimes, and he is way bigger than us. And what does it say here in verse 8 and 9? But beloved, one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. So since the world was in existence, how many days did God have? About three, if the world is about 6,000 years old. Remember this one thing that God's timetable is totally different than ours. Don't be ignorant of the fact. He's different. He operates on a different timetable. And why does he do that? God's just not waiting around because he wants to. He's waiting around because he is longing to draw all men to himself. Verse 9, the Lord is not slacked concerning his promise of returning, as some men think, but he is long-suffering to us. He doesn't want anybody to perish. So he could destroy the world now, but his goal is to bring as many people as he can to himself. He wants all to be saved. Are you asking God to join in that vision of bringing all to repentance, all to be saved? That is our job as the church. And then he goes on to say in verse 10, But the day of the Lord will come, whenever God's timetable reaches the end, the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. We cannot say or nail down the time when he's coming, in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise. We know there's going to be a fire. A fervent heat. It's all going to burn up. But we don't know when that day will be. And I would like to bring a caution here. As you look back in the past, there have been many uh, people who've stood up and tried to appoint the day when Jesus is going to return. Be aware of participating in conversations of, of that. That is not our place. I think God has much better, bigger things for us to be thinking and focusing on than trying to figure out when Jesus is going to return. When Jesus returns should not affect how we live now. Every day we should live as if tomorrow is our last. We've heard that before. So beware of talking about or trying to figure out when Jesus will return. It's going to become one time as a thief in the night, unexpectedly. Brothers and sisters, be not ignorant of this one thing. God's timetable is different. Thirdly, brothers and sisters, be diligent. There's a story of a young man who was, uh, I think he was at his college, and a visiting speaker had come in and had given an inspirational talk about planning for the future. They met at the back, and this young man was very excited about life. The speaker asked him, so, what do you have planned? Oh, I'm going to finish college. I'm at the top of my class. I'm going to uh, already have some uh, law firms coming to me offering some job positions. So it's looking very good. So I'm going to give all my, all my very best in finishing school out. Very good. Then what? Well, then I'm going to get out of, of college and I'm going to work for a couple years. 
build up a good savings account, get some passive income coming in. All right, great. Then what? Well, about that time, I'll be ready to get married. So I'll be looking around for, for a woman to marry and I'll marry the best woman out there. Okay, great. Then what? Oh, I'm going to get married and we're going to live happily ever after and we're going to have a couple children and I'm going to raise those children up to work hard and dream for the future. All right, great. Then what? Well, after we have children, then we're, we're going to raise them up and we're going to get them married off and our income's going to be at a place to set them up for success in the best colleges around the country. Great. Good vision for your family. Then what? Well, by that time, the grandkids will start coming along, and so we'll start taking the grandkids on, on trips, and... Oh, great. Sounds like you'll be a very involved grandparent. Yes, absolutely. Okay, then what? Well, by that time, we'll, we'll be retired. Maybe we'll live in Florida or something, and we'll have a nice estate. So the grandchildren can come visit us whenever they want, and all the worries will be gone. Then what? I guess I really haven't thought that far. I guess I'll start getting old. Okay, then what? Then one day I'll die. Okay, then what? That's where the young man was stumped. He had just stated some very good goals to this man of what he had planned for his life. He was going to make a difference. Yet when it got to the end, then what? As we think about, as Peter reminded us of the Lord's return, he says, be diligent. God's on a different timetable. At any moment, he may return. And in verse 11, see then that in all these things shall be dissolved one question. What manner of person ought you to be but in holy conversation and godliness? looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of the Lord. Brothers and sisters, I see too many people setting up goals and dreams for their life now, and they forget about then what? Be diligent here and now. The motivation in our life should be that of entering into the new heaven with our wonderful Lord. And how we live now will determine our destiny. Then what? Who are you going to be? What manner of person are you? How do you structure your life? Are you structuring it in a way that you are looking for and you are hastening the Lord's return? Our focus should be anticipating the new earth, the heaven, the new heaven. It should not be on the material things of the world. And I see this in my own life getting way too focused on the here and the now and the material things around me. And as I look at the church, uh, the church at large, I get concerned at where I see the focus of too many people going into material things that will not get them anywhere when the question is asked, then what? So brothers and sisters, be diligent, Peter says. What manner of person ought you to be? The choice is now. And then we get to verse 17. And the last thing Peter brings up is, Beloved, beware. 
back up to verse 15, an account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written. So Peter here refers to Paul, and he says, hey, Paul's writing the same things I am. <laughs> the things he writes, they're kind of hard to understand. I kind of chuckle at these two verses, because often the books that Paul wrote, you have to grapple with, you have to dig into. They can be but maybe it goes back to the beginning when, when Peter says, you need a pure mind. You need a pure mind to study well. Yes, the things of God might be difficult at times, but you need to have a pure mind to dig in. He said some of these things are hard to understand. The unlearned they, they, and the unstable, they wrestle with it. And sometimes it brings them to their own destruction because they're involved in things of the world. Their minds are not pure. And then they try to figure out these things that are difficult to dig into, and it leads to their destruction. Brothers and sisters, go back to, is your mind pure? That will put you in the place to dig in and study these things. And then Peter says, another thing why, why he's saying, beware. Beware lest you, lest ye also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. None of us here, like this morning, like to think that we would fall from being in a relationship with Christ. No, that won't be said of me. But it's little by little, step by step. And Peter says, beware, because every one of you will have a tendency to fall away. you got to be diligent. Don't be ignorant. Be mindful. Beware, because you too could fall away from your own steadfastness. Is your pursuit of God pure? So Peter says, brothers and sisters, be mindful. Be not ignorant. Be diligent. Beware. And his closing sentence in his letter says, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's simple. All you have to do is grow in grace. Let grace be driven deep into your roots, into the foundation of who you are. Grace grace is the greatest unused resource in all the world. It's the wealth of God's kindness. It's the riches of His mercy. It's soothing ointment of forgiveness. And don't confuse it with the grace of you can do whatever you want. Oh, God's grace will cover all. No, this grace is when we come to Jesus, we, we bring We bring ourselves before him and we allow his grace to be upon us. It's not for who we are, but it's for our relationship with him. Grace will cover all. And out of that grace, when we continue to grow in grace, that forgiveness, the freedom of being pure in Christ, we can then pass on grace to others. Grow in grace and in knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Then he ends it, to him be both glory now and forever. Amen. Grow in grace and in knowledge, simply put. And that is how he wraps up his letters, 1st and 2nd Peter. Now I have another question. Anybody remember our theme from 1st Peter? It's been a while. Two words. Lively hope. In 1 Peter, he reveals to us, we have a lively hope. And I can see Peter's enthusiasm bursting forth as he's writing that. We have a lively hope. It's something worth living for. 
We looked at rejoicing. We looked at a desiring a holy life. We looked at the purpose. We have purpose. We're living stones. We looked at submission, living the life of a stranger. We looked at the married life and the legacy that we leave. We looked at suffering for doing well, being stewards of grace. We looked at fire and how we face fire. We looked at what a team spirit is. That is of humility. And then we get to 2 Peter. Growth amidst temptation. Then we looked at diligence. Growing in the word. And finally, grow in grace and in knowledge. I can see Peter's excitement as he thought back to his going with Jesus. He remembered the times when he forgot to stand steadfast in Jesus. He forgot that. And as he was writing First and Second Peter, I can see this sentence coming forth. A lively hope leads to growth. We have a hope in Jesus, but that should lead us to, should motivate us to growing. And as I look at the church at large, I see too many people satisfied with where they are. And they're not growing. They don't want more. And so my cry as I come out of First and Second Peter for myself is to grow. Allow the lively hope that I have in Christ motivates me, lead me to growing more in Him. Please take out your songs of faith and praise again and turn to number 111. As we wrap up our time together this morning, let's sing again those two verses of grace greater than all our sin. Number 111. Marvelous grace of our loving Lord, grace that exceeds our sin and our closing prayer and may you be confident in the lively hope that we have in Christ and may that lead us and motivate us to growth growing in him God bless you as you go about your week give it all let's pray
Heavenly Father, we humbly bow before you this morning. We praise you for the opportunity to gather in your house with brothers and sisters. And it is our desire to continue to grow. Thank you for Peter and the Holy Spirit in guiding him to write these letters to us. And it can be a way of you speaking to us. I pray that we continually and often go to your word to learn more of you. And my prayer for my brothers and sisters here and for myself is that we would continue to grow in grace and in knowledge of you. And may we be beacons of that grace to other people we, have, we come in contact with. Bless us as we go about our week. Guide us, we ask. In your name we pray. Amen. You are dismissed. Thank you for the sound.